Hello again, everybody. Scott Bowden and Brian Lass right along ringside and ready to go for another big day of Kentucky Fried Wrestling. And our guest today, I know very well. He was my cohort in crime in the USWA during the mid-90s, where we just ran roughshod over everybody in the territory, from Jerry Lawler to Brian Christopher to Double J. Jeff Jarrett. Dangerous is not his middle name, but it is his first. I'm talking about Doug Gilbert. That's right, Scott. Today on the program, you're going to speak to Dangerous Doug Gilbert. And of course, he grew up on Tennessee wrestling. His father, Tommy Gilbert, a longtime star. His brother, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, a star and a booker. And of course, Doug was there for it all. And you discuss today his dad, his brother, and so much more, including those many interactions you had with him on camera on WMC Channel 5. Yeah, and it brought back a lot of good memories. Uh, obviously, his brother, Eddie, was a big influence in my life. He's the one who turned me heel. And uh, after he left the territory, uh, Doug stuck with me uh, and stayed in the territory, did not follow Eddie. And, uh, man, we had a hell of a good time in the USWA. And we'll be reliving some of those memories here today when we come back right after this message. A good friend, Danny Dunn, has done it again. There are now seven Dunn's locations. Danny Dunn's newest service center is at Ketchum and Airways. Now you can celebrate the event and enjoy a king-size savings on a transmission tune-up for only $14.95. So if it's just for an adjustment or for a full exchange, remember what Danny Dunn says. I'll fix your transmission right and at a reasonable price. So now wouldn't you really rather have a Dunn's transmission? And we are back on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. And I'm really excited about this guest today. He is a second-generation wrestling star who has made a name for himself both in the United States and Japan for his strong work ethic, his natural ability as a ring general, and a bit of a rebellious streak that occasionally made him more infamous than famous. An accomplished champion in his own right, he is the son of Memphis wrestling legend and all-around superb ring technician Tommy Gilbert, and the brother of one of the most creative geniuses the business has ever known, Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. It is my pleasure to welcome my former partner in crime in the USWA to the KFR podcast, Dangerous Doug Gilbert. Welcome, Doug. Man, Scott, thanks. I think it's one of the best intros I think I've ever had. I think, uh, and and, and somewhat, uh, you're right about all the things that you said. But anyway, you should know because you was with me a lot of those times. Uh, yes, I was. Yes, I was. Um, well, you know, before we get into to uh, to our, you know, hey, 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 Scott, hey, Scott, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry about that. But anyway, and also, you're one of the only people now. You say I've done some things now. You're one of the only. Actually, you're the only person I've ever seen Dave Brown cuss. <laughs> I know, which was very shocking. And actually, hey, I, I, I think I have never seen Dave Brown cuss except <laughs> one time, and that was at you. So that says something, though. But yeah, that's that's heat. That's heat. Yeah, I, you ain't I, kidding. I had uh, well, Lawler told me one time. He goes, man, and he goes, if you had as much heat with the fans as you do with everybody in the back, we'd be selling out the Coliseum again. <laughs> <laughs> but but, but at, at, well, at, at any rate, uh, before we get going too much about uh, our nefarious 
evil run in the USWA where we were just running roughshod over everybody. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, growing up in Lexington, Tennessee, has the son of, of a famous wrestler. Tommy Gilbert, um, what are your earliest memories of of realizing what your dad did for a living and, and how that was a cool occupation that was radically different from the fathers of your classmates? Man, to be honest, Scott, when I was five years old, when I was in kindergarten, uh, I'd go to school and and uh, the, the kids in kindergarten, you know, their parents and everything, my dad did, and they watched everybody at that time was uh, Memphis wrestling. You know how it was here. I mm-hmm. mean, it was just, uh, that, that was your professional sport. Yeah. I mean, Memphis's professional sport in those days was professional wrestling. There was no other professional sport right. and everything. And I mean, it, it was just awesome. I mean, on, uh, I'd go to the Coliseum with my dad on Monday nights. And, uh, I mean, all the, the, the kids would ask me about it and uh, the whole deal. My mom and dad told me, and I think I've told this, about a half dozen times, my deal that my mom made with me, if I'd get up on Tuesday morning and would not want to get up, I could go to the Coliseum. So it didn't matter how late we got in or how <laughs> bad I felt. Even being that young, five, six years old, I'd freaking, I'd got up and didn't say nothing. I might not have wanted to get up, but I got up because I want to go to the South Coliseum the next Monday night. Man, oh man, and, and and I mean it was. I mean all the kids they asked you about everything, and all the guys. And I mean when you, I mean at that young of age they would. But like I said, all the kids got like I mean yourself, myself, everything. Everybody watched Memphis wrestling. Mm-hmm. I mean people. It's it's hard for people that's not from this area and everything to understand the magnitude yeah. that it had, but, but you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I mean, you grew up, grew up in it. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, man, I, in 77 with the Lawler and Dundee feud with all the crazy stipulations, I was hooked. I mean, you know, again, there was, we had tiger basketball and, and, and that was about it. We almost what, got, what, we, we almost got the what, Baltimore Colts at one point and then we didn't. And, and the running joke, I, I've told, I've said this a few times. The running joke was that if a pro sports team wanted to, to, to succeed in Memphis, they'd have to have pro wrestling matches at halftime. You ain't kidding, and, and I mean, you say like you say like the uh, Lawler Dundee, and I mean, everybody goes to that. But wh- what about the Funk Lawler stuff? Oh, what about yeah, the, yeah. The, the what about the Bockwinkle Lawler? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I mean, I I thought Nick Bockwinkle was one of the smoothest, and I loved when I was a, a little boy going and sitting beside Lance and watching Bockwinkle and Lawler's matches. I thought, I mean, from then, just it was just amazing, and I mean, the Terry Funk. Lawler from uh, I remember Lawler and the working with the original Sheik mm-hmm. and I was you know getting Lawler stuff at the ring carrying it to the back and he <laughs> jumped out of the ring and I run all the way out of the back of the Coliseum <laughs> I mean through through the doors I mean that's how scared I was of the original Sheik I mean you know those guys then it you know I mean it, it, it was it was a different time and everything changes and everything but still you know what I mean I, you know yeah. how things was then. Yeah, the, uh, Ed Farr had just lived the gimmick. You, you know? ain't kidding. I mean, he looked he looked like a like a evil freaking devil. Mm-hmm. 
And believe yeah. me, I thought he was. Yeah. Like, like I said, I, I wasn't freaking working with him or nothing. I was freaking was scared, and I run out of the back of the, I mean, out of the back doors of the Coliseum. I thought, oh, man, I want this guy to get me. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's one of the things, I, you know, I've been talking, I had Jim Cornette on a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, and I also had Dave Brown on, believe it or not, and we made, we kind of, we finally made amends. It was like a 20, 20 something year. Is that year, right? So, where, yeah, where I had so heat. Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? Well, yeah. Hey, Dave's a great guy. You can't, you cannot beat Dave Brown and Lance Russell. I, I mean, I know both I know. those guys are two of the best ever. Yeah, and and he and I were talking about uh, Archie Goldie, uh, the Mongolian Stomper. It's a, the Mongolian Stomper, yeah. Yeah, he was another one of those and guys. He, he he was another guy that would scare the fire. I remember looking at him, and I mean, he just looked. Uh, you know, just freaking like he would kill you. And I mean, oh. a lot of guys said that he was like one of the one. Of, they thought he was like Canada's greatest worker. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Well, you know, and he got to start, you know, in the dungeon with Stu, right? And supposedly he right. was like a real, you know, badass football player, and and went up there and all cocky and arrogant, and told Stu, he's like, I, he's sir, I, I want to wrestle for you. I think I can whip everybody you have. And of course, Stu's like, yeah, really? So he goes there and stretches him for about, you know, an hour or two. And you could, oh, yeah. Yeah. They say you could hear Archie screaming from down the block. But uh, he went right. back, you know, he went back, humbled with his head down <laughs> and, and apologized and, and begged Stu to train him. And my dad always told me he was a great guy. Said Archie was a great, just human being, a great guy. Well, and hell, he drew money wherever he went. And, uh, I, and, he drew money with everybody he worked with. Yeah, yeah, and then, dude, and when I always point to his debut in the summer of '75 as the ideal way to introduce a monster heel. He squashed Jerry Bryant and Dennis Condry in back-to-back matches that lasted less than 90 seconds, and he was just instantly over. And he had Bearcat Wright, who was, I think, one of the most yeah. underrated promo guys of all time. Uh, doing, right. doing the talking for him and, and, and Archie, all he had to do in his promo was just stand there. And he would stare, right. he would stare at you. And it was almost like he could, he was burning a hole through your soul, you know? Yeah. And I mean, his traps come about half up to his ears yeah. and, and everything. And he just freaking looked like a monster. Yeah. No. And that, and that's the thing, man. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't want to like bat, you know, go on too much about today's product or whatever. But uh, man, you had these outrageous characters, you know. So yeah, some guys were really in shape, some weren't. Some were huge, some were. Yeah, you know, but but, t- but but now Scott, ain't that the whole deal? Everybody don't need to be the same. Yeah, exactly. If everybody, if everybody's, if everybody's the same, why do people want to? After they see the first one, if if they're all the same, why do you want to keep watching? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, and- I mean, like 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 this. I mean. Look at like Bruce Brody. Look at Abdullah. Look at Terry Funk. Look Joe, at Dick Slater. Look at Joe LaDuke. Joe LaDuke. Yeah, I mean, look, look, look at all these different guys. Like this, like you said, the Sheik. The, you know, I'll, just look at just those names that me and you said right there. And then look. And I mean, and, and I'm not knocking today's product by no means because they got to be smart guys because they're making billions of dollars. But the only thing is, is it's just, it's everything changes and everything goes in cycles. But I think you had more as far as your characters was better. I mean, definitely better in those days than they are today. But I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking any promotion or anything. It's, it's just, I think the characters, like I said, everything changes time. 
changes things and everything. But, and I mean, and another thing, Scott, you know, when everything becomes corporate, you yeah. know, it, yeah, you got to watch. You know, when we could have done a little more stuff, yeah, yeah. Then, and there they, they wasn't nobody on the stock market or anything as far as no. you know being traded. <laughs> then, so you, you didn't have to worry. Could you imagine if something been on being traded on the stock and some of the stuff we did? That would have really, uh, really plummeted, wouldn't it? Well, and, and I remember, I remember, you know, we were seeing a lot of, you know, kind of. It, sometimes it was sort of very edgy. sly. It was edgy, but sometimes it was subtle. Yeah. where you had to really be listening right. to, to get the rep, like, and I remember. Remember, uh, you know, you bringing up OJ Simpson, you know, in a promo. Right. I brought up Rodney right. King in a promo, <laughs> you know, right. and, and that's and, and, and that's and, what and, gave that's what and, got Dave so hot. And, and, but and, but you know what? And what Dave probably know me and you. Uh, I mean, we done a lot of stuff ourselves, but a lot of stuff was told to us that was good lines and stuff, and a lot of stuff that. They probably didn't like a lot of that was told to us. I mean, to, to get in there somewhere, and I mean, <laughs> that's that that that's what the people don't know. But like I said, a lot of it was our ourselves doing it. But uh, you know, we had a lot of lines that you know was said if if it comes in here, put those in. That's what I don't think they probably realized. Well, yeah, and you know, and I kind of took responsibility for it because you know, I, I, and the word the you know Dave keep he he still to this day says that word. When, whenever we have right. a discussion about it and, and, and right. I don't want to go on about it cause it's, it's dead and buried now, but, uh, you know, the right. word, the word was retarded and right. Randy, Randy fed me the line. Now he didn't tell me to go out there and say it 20 times, <laughs> right. but right. he, he did feed me the line. And, and when Dave got initially upset, I just thought he, you know, he was working with me. So I kept he repeating. Thought he was working with you. Yeah. And then, and then, and, 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 and. And he damn sure wasn't working with you. <laughs> no, no, he was about he was about to like cut cut me off and go to a break before Randy. You know the the deal was that Randy was going to attack me. I didn't know that Randy was going to attack me. We would like he literally took me off my feet and over the desk, and and it hurt like hell. And I get to the back and I remember you going, "Man, Scott, that was a hell of a bump." I said, "Shit, I had no choice." <laughs> well, the deal. Uh, you know, there, there, there's so much stuff like that that the people, you know, I mean, I, I mean, uh, yes, it's entertainment and, and it was work and everything, but there's so much stuff that happened that if people really knew what happened, they would really shake their head or scratch their head, wouldn't they? Yeah. Everybody wants to think everybody got along all the time and everything. Dang, me and you probably took more cussings and and and. And freaking people says to some, uh, oh, they don't really hit you or whatever. I mean, you probably got freaking nailed more times than anybody did during that era. Yeah, we 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 would uh, we had some, we had some nuclear heat, but, not but, only but, with the fans hey, but the but, office. But, but I think say you're right, but then again, uh, we probably deserved it a little bit. We was a little younger then, and we thought yeah. we were. And, and and you know what they goes? I don't think it's so much that we had big egos but we want our stuff to get over too and i think we probably pushed it a little far at times and everything but the whole thing it, it drew money yeah they liked it they might have got hot about it but they liked it so yeah. i mean that they wanted to draw money and everything and i mean or I, I think our tvs was always very interesting i thought they was what they was uh, real good i you know what that stuff man i i went back and i watched a lot of it uh over the, i've watched a lot over the last couple of days uh, man, the stuff, even before I, like, I, you know, I came back as a referee, uh, kind of, I think late 93, early 94. And man, you guys were, you and Eddie were, were working with Lawler and Brian Christopher. And, and I love like how you would take something that 
Oh, like it was the ring jackets, right? That was supposedly right. Sam, you know, the right. deal with Sam Bass. That, that, but, yeah, but that, Sam Bass, yeah. Yeah, but that carried a lot of weight because everyone respected and, your dad and everyone. Everybody knows, right. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, it was great. I mean, I mean, and they done the thing with, with uh, when we was doing all that with uh, me and Brian's working against each other and Eddie Lawler was where they done the thing with Lawler's ring. Remember the ring deal where yeah. Eddie won like three or four different things from him and, and everything, but it was so much. Your mother's van. <laughs> Right. Was on the right. There you but, go. And and again, some people may look at it and they go, Man, the van but see, it's personal. You know, you really right. bought that these things meant a lot to to Yeah, right. it meant a lot to the fa- to the respective families. Uh and then right. and, and that's what that's what clicked, you know. And you um, know, I, I won Brian I won Brian's car and yeah. everything. And that's yeah. never really done that yeah. and everything. And that was I mean, and it meant something. I mean they people would say, "Oh, what was that or whatever?" But I mean, it actually meant something then, and that's—I mean—that was the whole idea of it. I mean, well, people, and that was the whole idea of, of the heat. Yeah, and, and people had seen Brian driving that car. They knew that that was Brian's car. And then I think you, when right. you won it, you even drove it for a week. I drove. Yeah, 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 yeah. I drove it. You know, and, yeah. and, and got it over. And man, I remember, man, we, man, that got that got some heat because I brought out. Remember, I think I brought out a bottle because we and we were trying to do. We were trying to come up with some creative finishes you know because right. randy would sometimes say well why don't you do the whole deal you know the old deal where and i go i don't you know what i want to do the old deal and i remember i had a yeah. i had a champagne bottle out there and i was like so confident that we were going to win the match and brian's got you in trouble and i shake up that champagne bottle and i and it just goes streaming all in his eyes oh and, right. and then yep. you pull the gimmick. Yeah, and then you pull the gimmick, and it was, you know, it was, a, yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was, a, it was a great creative finish. But that was, the, you well, know, that, and that was the one thing that I loved about that Saturday morning wrestling show, uh, being a part of it, because we were given like basically one or two like bullet points to to get across, right. and then we right. just go out there and do it, and, and, and a lot of times, <laughs> at, like fifteen minutes before we go on the air. Yeah, and it sure was no teleprompters or nothing like that. It was uh, this and this, and this is the match. And like I said, like you said, sometimes 15 minutes of the TV sometimes wasn't wrote, but an hour before they come on. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, the, that's the thing. But, but, but you know what? At, at certain points, and some people would say that's awful, but, you know, sometimes I look back at it, and even then I thought, I think this might be why it's, why it's better than yeah. than most other stuff that's going because i mean it wasn't it was you was ad-libbing and you was being yourself and you know you just had your points hit and the whole deal this is the whole deal scott i think people don't really think about now we had to do our stuff good because that was what we was counting on i was counting on for my living for me making money and if it didn't draw if we wasn't on guarantees and it didn't draw then you wasn't making the money that you would be making and i mean we wanted we most definitely want to sell as many tickets as we could sell. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that's what, you know, people don't, people look at it and they don't say, like I said, if they could see half of what, like when me and you walk back through the curtain, sometimes what was said to us and, and everything, well, we, we would like the, the redheaded stepchildren at, <laughs> at times, but, but I mean, but the whole deal, if it drew, then there wasn't nothing said to us. So that's right. the, you know, right. that was the plus to it. But I mean, you know, many times we walked back through the curtain and oh. we took a lamb blasting 
Well, first of all, I was told a lot of times not to say anything because I, you know, I, I wasn't going to Louisville a lot, uh, because I was in right. school. It was my senior year in college and I was trying to, you know, uh, as tempting as a lot of those $50 and $60 payoffs were, um, you know, I wanted to have some, I wanted to finish my, de- get my degree. I remember Tommy Rich pulling me aside. I'll never forget this. Tommy pulling me aside and he goes, Hey man, don't let them mess with you about all this. You, you get that cheap scan, you get that diploma and put it to work, you know? And, right, and, right. I, and I just, that was so cool, Tommy, to, to do that. And, and I want to thank you too, because, you know, yeah. he, uh, Randy would tell me, he's like, Scott, you're not, you know, you're, this is going to air in Louisville. You're not going to Louisville. So you don't say anything. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be just some, one of the other jabronis that's come through after Jimmy Hart left, who just stands there and does nothing. And I, I want us to be like a unit, you know, like, like we're, we're like, we're in this right. together, three of us. Right. And I want to like right. say, say a little something and then pitch it to you guys. And then you guys drop, you know, finish it off strong. And, and, right. uh, you would go at Randy, Randy would, leave, you know, and, and plus, you know, Randy, I, I, I like I love Randy, but in the back, you know, and I know we had these moments where he he tried to give the three of us our interview, and he go, so Doug, Doug, Scott, you don't say anything, but Doug goes out there and he goes, hey brother, let me tell you something, <laughs> and, yeah. and you would look at me kind of like, mm. and then after Randy would leave, you go, Scott, you you just say my part or whatever, and then you and then maybe you toss it back to me, and I said, okay, thanks, I appreciate that. But but that's and you I, know what yeah I, and I always hate and still to this day I hate when somebody says brother I think what in the hell are you saying that for I don't know what we've all got our pet peeves but when people say certain yeah. things I think what well, that's not me that's and I thought I don't know if it's Scott either but I'd rather him say it than me say it but <laughs> but but I mean and and the whole deal was I mean I'm gonna tell you Scott my I, I always you and you was respectful to the business that's what I liked and my brother saw something in you and everything. And I like that too. And because anybody can say whatever they want, but, but my brother could spot talent better than 99% of the people in this business. I think. Absolutely. I mean, Sting, Sting yeah. would, would not have had a career if not for your brother. And that's just one Shane Douglas. Another oh, one. Oh, oh, there, I, there's plenty. You go, you can, uh, I mean, I've got, a list mile long of guys that my brother helped and everything and and everything but like i said he really he he really liked you and i mean i know you and him met and and i think went out to dinner or something and everything but he told me how respectful you was towards the business and that meant the world to him and everything and i mean you you was great on promos and everything and i thought that was good and i mean like you said lawless if you had as much heat in the back as you did out there, but still you had a ton of heat with the people and everything. Just like I said, when somebody says something like that to you, you know, we all have egos. I mean, some a little bigger than others, but when you start saying something about them and they, and they could tell you to say it about it, but then when you go out there and and you say it and they actually hear it, they think, well, that cocksucker, he shouldn't have said that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the, <laughs> the ego part and everything, but I mean, and like I said, you was a great talker and, and Lawler's, probably the greatest talker who's been in the business and everything. And because it didn't matter what we said, he was going out do and come up with something that was better and everything. But I mean, like I said, I mean, we had good, we had my brother, we had Lawler, we had, we had two or three of the best guys in the business that was, that was helping us, telling us, you know, which directions go. So it would have been, if we couldn't go the right way, it would have just been our fault. Right. 
Right. Well, and I don't know if you remember this, but you know, Eddie was the one who uh, I, I went up to. I, it was uh, Eddie working on top with the Dream, who it was another just tremendous promo guy, uh, uh-huh. and uh, against Jeff Jarrett and and Lawler, and they were you know they were trying to come out with some kind of screwy finish, and I went in and and, and asked Eddie. I said, uh, "Look, man, my my girlfriend's here, my sister's here, and four buddies of mine from college that, uh, and high school." That's how we all did the wheelchair. Thing. Well, what, this, what, y'all, what was the finish? Well, this was well, the this was the week before when I was I was a referee, and I said, okay, I said, I said if we could do a deal like maybe we're, and this is ballsy, you know, me be suggesting a finish. I said if you throw, you know, maybe throw the fire at Lawler and it hits me, uh, they would go nuts, you know, and and uh, and then yeah. and then with no referee, you guys just brawl to the back, and and that's your screw job, or that's your screwy finish, right? Finish. That, that's your getting out, yeah, getting out of it, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, so Eddie goes, huh, huh, all right, uh, let me think about that, let me think about that, and about twenty minutes later, again with no advance notice, uh, Lawler calls me in. He goes, uh, and Lawler's acted like it's his idea, you know. Lawler goes. Uh, Scott, we're uh, we're going to turn you heel tonight, and I was like, "What? Oh, what?" And he goes, "Yep, uh, I'm going to have uh, Eddie pinned, and you run out because Frank takes a bump, and, and you know." And I love how the way Lawler would go and finish. He goes, yeah. "Fucking Frank takes a bump, boom, boom, boom." Yeah, I had yeah. Eddie with the powder, boom, and then here comes fucking Scott Bowden from the back. You know, acts right. like he's going to count three, and instead you get up and you plant that fucking size 13 of yours right on my head (laughs) and put me on top and we're off and running. And I look over at Eddie and he's got just that devilish grin and he's kind of rubbing his chin a little bit. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness. And he's like, and and we're walking out and Eddie whispers to me and he goes, he goes, well, uh, you think that'll shock your friends? And I go, I think they'll be pretty shocked. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. But like I said, it's a great finish. I mean, yeah. like I said, I mean, the main thing I think, uh, well, I mean, I know why Eddie thought a lot of you and everything was you respect the business and and everything. And I think you and him had a lot to talk about and everything. And that's what was funny. I I mean, and, and uh, Lawler's great and everything, but I laughed. I mean, uh, hell, even some of the stuff he'd say to us, you could hardly keep from laughing when he was getting on us. But I mean, getting on us about stuff that had been told, been yeah. told for a sour just – like you said, this points to hit. We just might have hit the points a little too hard, but but still, it it drew money, and I mean, uh, that's the main thing. That's the goal. Well, uh, you know, I, I was you know I was sitting. I got the TV Saturday, and of course, I had my you know polo shirts all starched and everything, and I I thought I was going to be the new hill manager. And I'm in the room with you know, with Eddie, and uh, I think you were in there, and and Lawler, and Lance, and Dave, and and I'm supposed to. They tell me I'm supposed to go out there and apologize for for what I'd done, and then Eddie comes out and says that you know, uh, you know, they're going to fire me as a referee, so Eddie's going to give me a job, and my job is to manage him. But because I'm a rookie manager, I make mistakes and I screw everything up, and you guys turn on me and beat me up, and then I come back as a babyface ref. And I went, I was thinking to myself, I said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and so, so I went out there, and Lance goes, or, you know, have you had some time to think about this, young man? I go, no. I said, I stomped Jerry Lawler like the cockroach that he is. <laughs> and and uh, Eddie told me later, he goes, Lawler was looking at the monitor. He goes, what the hell is he doing? 
<laughs> and I got to the back and Eddie, Eddie, of course, just loved it. And Lawler called, he's like, come here, come here. And he goes, all right, that was pretty good. But next time, do what I tell you to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think I'll turn out good, though. I mean, and for, for most people, it probably wouldn't have went that good after they went out there and said that. But like I said, I think, like I said, Eddie's seen a lot in you, and I think Lawler did, too, and everything. And and uh, everything. And like I said, I think I think everything went smooth. I mean, it's, you know, some people things go smooth with, others it don't. It seemed like all of our stuff went pretty smooth together. Yeah, I think so. And 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 I think Eddie does sort of connected because I know Eddie uh, got, well, I mean, you know. Now, I, 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 now, 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 if anybody can tell you this, Eddie really liked you. He thought a lot of you. I mean, and, and he's seen something in you. And that's, like I said, usually when Eddie's seen something in somebody, there was something there to be done with so i think that says a lot well and i you know and i appreciated you sticking with me uh after after he left uh because i think i'm actually i think i only managed eddie twice and one of them was that was the wheelchair thing where we came out we did the deal and we were said right. yeah we had wrecked my bmw and all that and uh, right. and that, right. and that was a huge thrill for me because eddie was one eddie was one of, one of my favorites uh without a doubt right. and before that you know i was a fan of your dad's <laughs> And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really remember, uh, man, just how fantastic your father was in the ring and just so super smooth. And he had that uh, tremendous feud with Luthez over right. the what was then the Southern Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, and oh, that, my dad. Yeah. Hey, Scott, my dad was a great wrestler. I mean, I tell people ask me uh, – they said, well, how can you, uh, the difference between your dad and your brother and then the difference between you and both of them. I said, you know what? I said, it, it don't feel bad to be the third best when you're compared to my dad and my brother. And they said, was that how you look at it? I said, you damn right, that's how I look at it. I said, because my dad was a great wrestler. I said, my brother was a great wrestler. He was a great brawler and a great entertainer. And, and my dad was from the the early days where it was just, where it was wrestling. I mean, he was a wrestler. I mean, he could wrestle with anybody. And a lot of the guys didn't want to wrestle Luthez. That's my dad loved it. I mean, Luthez, Dory Funk Jr., all the guys that a lot of people didn't want. I've I've worked with Dory once or actually twice or three times, but two two of them was tag matches. And, and I mean, you talking about, and I mean, I, I loved it because I, I respect him so much. But, I mean, you talking about going, and I can see why some of them guys didn't want to wrestle because they don't do nothing but make you go. And if you don't go, they'll just, I mean, they'll just lay on top of you and you might as well just freaking tap out. Yeah. But, I mean, that was the tough guys. That was the wrestling days, Scott. I mean, just, just wrestling. It wasn't, you know, I mean, me and you wouldn't call it, entertainment is like what we would have called what we was doing and everything. But I mean, my dad was a pure wrestler and I mean, he was great at it. My brother was a great wrestler and a great entertainer. And I mean, he, he was, I think he was one of the best promo guys that, you know, that they've been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and your dad, you know, he, he kind of had a, kind of had a Burt Reynolds thing kind of going and, oh yeah, and I love, you know, and every, see, that's the thing too. It's like everybody, 
tries to do one-liners now and everybody tries to be funny on an interview. And uh, right. what they don't understand is that if, if everybody's going out there and cracking, first of all, you're in there and, and Memphis wise, you're in there with Lawler. who's one of the greatest wisecrackers of all time. Right. And, yeah. Right. And then, and then, and then Eddie was, you know, kind of right behind him, a close second. Uh, but your dad right. like cut really deadly serious promos a lot of the time. And that worked right. because it was, he wasn't, he didn't scream a lot. You know, he no. went out there and he would, but, just, but you, the people, fans believed, people it. believed it. Yeah. Yeah. People, people believed it. That's the whole thing. And if you can, that, that's connecting with the fans. And that's what these days don't happen very often. Right. I mean, actually, people connecting with the fans. I mean, and like I said, that's very seldom happening and everything. But my dad was great at that. Like I said, he was a great wrestler. I mean, and double tough. And like I said, I, guess that's where Eddie got it from too and everything. Like I said, I tell everybody and I ain't ashamed a bit, but I said, if you want if you want to rate us, I said, you can put my dad first or Eddie first, however you want to go. I said, but I'll be happy to be third. I said, because when you've got two great guys in front of you, it's not bad to be third. Well, I'll tell you what, in, 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 in 93 and 94, those matches you were having with Brian, I, I, th- I thought they were tremendous. I thought they were some of the better matches going on in the country at that point. Oh, I, I actually think so too. I think I think those matches was great. Now I think ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, uh, or say from ninety two to ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. I'd say through there as far as with Brian and then me and Tommy and you with mm-hmm. uh, PG, PG. I think that was some of the best stuff anywhere in the country at that time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and I think you really helped take them to the next level because I think a lot of people looked at them, you know, in the nature of their gimmick and maybe being a little smaller. But smaller guys yeah, could but, get over in Memphis if they showed heart. But you had to have the, you know, yeah. and you had to have well, the sympathy, right opponents. It, 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 yeah, it was it was sympathy, and if you beat them, and I mean, and you seen well, we beat them and beat them and beat them and beat them, and then when it was time, I mean, we would give them their stuff and everything. But I mean, that's what got them over when the people started thinking they actually can fight with these guys and wrestle with these guys and everything. And when you get them believing and getting the people connecting with them, like we was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. I mean, that's when the people really start believing. And Scott, in, in, in those days, you know, just like I do, the people did believe, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, they could they could say whatever they wanted. They could say, "Oh, it's wrestling, it ain't real, it ain't this or that." But how many we have at the Mid South Coliseum, at the Little Gardens, at Evansville, at Nashville, that was trying to come in the ring and oh, yeah. get to us and everything? So you can't tell me the people didn't believe. Yeah, yeah, they man, especially like in, in Nashville, man. I sometimes I'd be there or in Jonesboro. I I, I was yeah. I, I feared for I'd fear it was it was a throwback. I mean, I feared I feared for my safety, man. <laughs> but that was a testament yeah. that we were doing a good job. Right, exactly. I mean, and we wouldn't want it no other way because if it wasn't that way, we, it, we wouldn't have been doing our job and we wouldn't have been making the money that we was making. And like I said, being Tommy was on guarantees during that whole time. And I mean, we was making good money and everything. And, and But I mean, we we was drawing money. And like I said, the, my deal, I loved the singles deal with Brian. And then I loved the deal, the tag deal with Tommy. And I thought, like I said, during, during that little stretch through there, I thought that was some of the best stuff going on anywhere in the country. Uh, I, I do have, I do have to say, I just had a memory of what I was refereeing and, you know, I, again, I, I, I think I was a little like Eddie too, because, uh, Jerry Jerry told me the story of how Eddie 
approached him. And I don't even think Eddie fully understood what a Booker was or what he did, but he had a sense of it. And, and he was immediately drawn to that creative side of it. And Jerry Jarrett says Eddie would show up with like a notebook and hand him a notebook yeah. of not only just a card of match, but a progression of how right. it might work, how, you know, I, I want this to go to, you know, this, this feud will lead to that. And this will lead to that. He was already developing that storytelling and Jerry Jerry yeah. looked at it and was amazed. And, and you know, the funny thing, and that's right. My, and, and this was the thing. And, and my brother loved all that. And which, which I loved as far as, you know, as far as me and him riding down the road and us just talking and, and uh, him throwing out ideas and me throwing ideas to him and everything. But when I was like, well, we could go back and see what year it was when him and my dad was wrestling Buddy and Ken Wayne, but I couldn't have been oh. nine or something, nine years old, maybe, or something like 10, something, 11, somewhere through there. But anyway, uh, I'm, we was on the way to uh, Memphis and uh, I told I told him, I said, I know what's going to happen tonight. And they said, do what? I said, I know what the finish is going to be. And they said, you do? And I said, yeah. And my dad said, what's it going to be? And it was an elimination match is what it was. I said, they're going to eliminate you first, and then Eddie's going to eliminate Ken, and then uh, he's going to eliminate Buddy, and then Ken's going to come back in, and then you're going to come back in the ring. I'd be dang if they didn't walk in the room and Jerry Jerry give them the finish, and that's what it was. My dad come out and got me. He said, Doug, come back here. And he walked around and he said, tell Jerry Jerry what you told us the finish was going to be on the way down here. <laughs> oh, man. And, I love and, it. And is it not? But, I mean, that's it, it's strange how, you know, I mean, which, I mean, you know how Eddie was. You rode with Eddie on some trips and stuff, too, how he'd always just, it was always throwing ideas out and something different and just always something different. Like everybody, you know, like the, the car deal, like when we got to the deal with the car deal, it was like me and Eddie was talking about it. And I said, well, I said, uh, he said, Oh, what do you think we do? I said, I don't know. We think we could shoot him and not hurt him too bad. And they just started laughing. He said, well, I would run over him. Ah. I, said, so run over, I, I, I said, so run over him or shoot him. Huh? And, uh, and, uh, but Eddie wound up telling all of that, I think, which I said, well, we shoot him, you know, just graze him. And, uh, <laughs> and, and everybody's asked me, said, well, y'all done everything you can do to him. I said, no, we didn't shoot him. <laughs> that, I, I, that, that's as far as Scott, everything went. You know I know. That's, I, re- that's I remember there was some serious discussion about how you guys could pull that, that, <laughs> that gunfire off. Yeah. And, but, yeah. And that, did, that, that, that wound up and they was afraid that really, Oh, they, something bad, they, and it would have. But 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 then the uh, the car thing yes. wound up being bad on Lawler. I mean, I hated that happen. But and see, people, uh, people. Uh, I mean, uh, that don't believe that they need to get hit by a car and see what freaking happens when yep. he comes oh. like his butt and back come flying in the windshield. Then when he went over the top, and I've heard people say walked up to me and said, "Ah, oh, he had on stuff, and that didn't hurt him." I thought it didn't hurt him. It dislocated his freaking hip and freaking his leg was almost broke and everything but he still tells me to this day that every time before it rains he knows it's gonna rain because his freaking hip and stuff hurts from where that car (laughs) car hit him that was a hell of a bump and 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 now i've heard the i've heard the i've heard the rumor uh because you know you pull up and and eddie 
Marlin is throwing uh, Eddie out, Eddie Gibbard out. And Eddie, uh-huh. Eddie, and then you move over to the to the passenger side. Eddie gets behind the wheel, and yeah. you know Eddie floors it, and it, you know Lawler takes the, man just an incredible bump. And Dave, you know, well, and I, well, think, I, and I, I think, mean, I mean the, the 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 whole deal you say incredible bump, Scott. The honest truth, in which I mean, he would have took a great bump if he would have had a chance. Right. To, but the reason the reason he took a hell of a bump right. was because. I, th- I think that it was supposed to be going like maybe 15 miles an hour or something. We was going about 30 when we hit him. And he, uh, luckily he got his legs up or that, that would have been the, the worst thing or would have, I mean, if he wouldn't have got his legs up and we'd run, he went out of the car to kill him. But if he wouldn't have got his legs up, it broke his legs too. But luckily he did get both of his legs up, but he didn't have a chance to do nothing then. Then that's when he just flew into the windshield. Right. And see, people don't really realize that. That's just a crazy deal. And then after we hit him and I turn around, I'm looking at him spin in the air and then him just land right on that pavement. And, and, I look at Eddie, I look back at him, and we're going towards a wall. I said, slow down. And Eddie whips it and turns so we don't hit the brick wall. And he said, you think he's all right? And the whole windshield's shattered in on us. And I said, no, I think he might have killed him. Yeah. And, uh, I was about to ask And, him, I yeah. mean, that, 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 that's actually what I said to okay. him. And I thought, because I, I keep looking back at him, and I thought, this that, this didn't go no nothing like it was supposed to, but, and then that Monday night we get to, well, we got, we walked back in the studio, the police had done been called. Yeah. They come to the front door. So well, we, we the, run out the back door. The police station's and, and right we across the street. <laughs> right. But they said they got so many calls that they'd been a hit and run. So they come in the front door. We go out the back, get in the car. We leave, we go on back home and then go on to Nashville that night. When we get back to Memphis on Monday night, Right when we walk in the door and we set our bags down, they tell us to come out. We come out and there's cops and they start to arrest us. And that's that's what people don't know. And that's when they said, the only way you're not getting arrested for hit and run is Jerry Lawler is going to have to tell us that he had some knowledge of this. And so that's what people have really never heard yeah. and everything. And, so that's, I mean, and, but that's how serious... That's how serious. See, and people don't know this either. I don't think he went to the emergency room uh, after TV. Yeah, yeah. And because his heel, and well, so he would ever when I when I went back in there and and he was inside right before we left, he was just laying on the on the ground going oh oh, and I thought oh my god, he is really messed up, and it was where his hip was dislocated and stuff. Uh, well, and, and from what I understand, uh, he was going to take a couple of weeks off to, to, to sell the injury, but the fact that the, there was so much heat with the police and that kind of deal that he had to go out there and say, you know, I'm going I'm to want he, you back in the he, ring. The, the, there was so much heat with the police and the TV station oh, actually yeah. said, if he don't go back out there, we're going to take you off there. Wow. So as bad as he was hurting, I mean, he was laying on the floor and there was about five people around him. And I mean, moaning. I mean, and, you know, he he's not one to, mm-hmm. when he gets hurt to whine or anything about anything. And I mean, he was freaking hurt and he had to get up and go back out there. But he was going to take off three or four weeks and then it was going to be, a, they was going to let Eddie work in. It's like they was going to bring in guys for Eddie to work in and beat during that time. And then when Lawler come back, it would have been a really big oh, deal. Oh, man. 
But yeah, so, and so it, it, it kind of hurt. It kind of hurt the whole deal because he was sort of forced to come yeah, back but, and and wrestle. Right, right. And I mean, you think if he would have been off them for those four weeks and they'd have did interviews with him at home, think how you remember when he was away at times and then would come back. Yeah. And I mean, especially when somebody would have done, had done something to him and everything. And I mean, I think that cost a lot of money for that, just that angle right there because he had to come back. But I mean, it was so much heat with the police coming and the TV station saying, you're, if you don't go back out there, you know, it was a lot of cost on the TV and that sure couldn't happen. So it just had to kind of change that up a little bit. And I just had to kind of snicker a little bit when uh, Steve Austin did that deal in WWE because, you know, it, obviously it was a stunt man. <laughs> And, right, the, and the whole right. thing and you could tell there's kind of like a break and there's all these different camera angles but this was so raw and real and it's right outside you know people driving right. by the, it, the studio it, can it, see it in the in the famous studio parking lot i, think, yeah. which I don't know if you saw it or if you still i don't know, I guess you get it out there in california the uh i did the show with lawler last month and uh he that was one of the last clips that he he showed before he had to get them to escort me out of his his station where he was doing his show at but anyway we had words back and forth and and everything but there was a lot of good clips good old clips that was on it and everything and i thought it was a great show which it run for a month it runs for like one month and he had a different guy which he had done the only person and myself and jerry calhoun and i don't know who will be on it this month but anyway he had a great a lot of the you know for the footage from the coliseum and uh one of them was was the uh that's the we're using the wheelchair. Oh, what was <laughs> and everything. Yeah, that was one of them oh, showed on cool. there and everything. But I mean, we had we had a bunch of different clips and everything. But I thought it was a real good show and everything. And I think people are really watching it and everything. I think the ratings are real good for it. So I mean, it's a good thing. Like I said, anything in Memphis, Memphis Classic, Jerry Lawler's Memphis Classic Wrestling is what it's called. Yeah. I mean, anything from those days, you know how good the footage and how good the stuff was from then. And everybody that's ever been to anything in wrestling come through here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually I was going to say, uh, I, now I didn't, I didn't see the show. Uh, obviously I'm here in LA and, uh, I, right. I suppose I could have dug around for it and, 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 and found it, but, uh, I, I was on, uh, the, you know, this, this, uh, Kentucky Fried Wrestling Podcast is part of a, a larger entity, the Vanguard, the, the Vanguard, Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Uh, if Brian right. were here, he'd be cringing right now. Uh, but uh, he, Brian does a lot of different shows. Most notably, the 605 Super Podcast. It was just like a four-hour weekly wrestling show, and it's just tremendous. Is that right? Yeah, and he and so, the, but we've got a Facebook page with like two thousand uh, followers. I've got like over, I've, I've got like forty five hundred followers on my fa- Facebook page who just you know they grew up with memphis wrestling and the thing about it is you know wrestling has has it's not like if you were a football fan in the 70s even though the game has somewhat changed uh it's still essentially the same product wrestling fans who grew up loving it like we did it's like wrestling's dead and and memories are all they have and so but they did say that when you and lawler got into it on that on that little deal that it was better than anything on wwe and more believable than uh they've that that they've seen in years yeah well i mean it's all in uh, it's all in the style and and uh and a lot of it's uh, the people that's doing it i mean and and i kind of and 
sure not bragging or nothing, Scott, but I mean, kind of, if you know what you're doing and you know what your goal is and the point is, and, and, you know, as far as doing that show, you know, when, uh, when I uh, saw Lawler was about two minutes before we started taping. Right. Yep. And, uh, and I mean, nothing even been said about the show. We didn't even, I mean, it was just, we went on there. It's kind of like our old TVs. You said 15 minutes before we might hear something. Well, two minutes before he pulled up, and I pulled up. And actually, I pulled up before he did. It's his show. And uh, we just, they had everything set up, and they started taping. But, I mean, I thought it was a real good show, and everybody's called me and asked me about it and said that they really like it, so I'm glad they do and everything. But like I said, some people have chemistry, Scott, and, and, and some don't also, and I think that works in the thing. And I think when you've had a a family feud as Lawler called it on his TV show for since 70, since 75, mm. I guess that would help a little bit too. But anyway, I mean, it's like this Saturday night, I wrestle Lawler in one town and then I'm going to leave and go to another town to wrestle Dundee. So I guess it's all still working. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is really quick. Cool. I, 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 I wanted, yeah, we touched upon the feud with Luthez and all that. Uh, we had Jerry Jarrett, uh, as our first guest on the, on our right. uh, inaugural episode. And, uh, you know, one thing I about, bet that was good. It was great. And, uh, Jarrett, you know, I, Bruce, you know, Bruce Pritchard has, has sort of been, you know, he's kind of bad mouth Jarrett. And I think it's out of jealousy because, you know, Vince McMahon called on Jerry Jarrett. You know, well, I, to, it's it's when is it because when Vince was about to get in trouble, yes. he wanted Jarrett to take the company over. Yeah. Okay, good yeah. deal. Yeah, so that's what I figured it'd be. Yeah, about. And, and so I think Bruce felt threatened up there, and and Jerry, you know, hey, we're we're, we're all from the South, and yeah, maybe we talk a little slower, uh, but we know this sure. damn we know the damn business. And Jerry Jarrett was so detail oriented as a booker, and we were talking about the quest for the title that really elevated Lawler has a single star and he told me he goes well he goes you know it started before 74 because I saw something in Jerry but he wasn't quite ready so I sent him you know he's already formulating this plan he goes I, I he goes I sent him to Alabama to work with uh Sam Bass and Jim White right. so so he could kind right. of learn the, the the ropes and everything and then I wanted and then I brought him back he goes and then he goes uh you know he goes you know Tommy Gilbert and Luthes were in a program and I really wanted to reestablish that Southern Junior Heavyweight title as the right. premier championship in in the in the territory with the plan all along for it to be sort of the deal that Tommy Gilbert would triumph over this legend, the six-time former NWA World Heavyweight Champion in the end after, the, after right. going back and forth with these fantastic matches. And then your dad, or I'm sorry, your dad, <laughs> I was talking to Brian Lawler the other day, uh, where, where uh, Lawler would beat your dad for the championship. And so it was sort of like, ah, Tommy beat Luthez, yeah. and then Lawler beat the man Lawler who beat, beat Luthez. Right. right, instead of not having to work with him. Yeah, well, they, well, well, Lou, yeah. Lou was uh, teaming with your dad. Or I said your dad again, teaming with <laughs> teaming with Lawler, Lawler and Sorry. Sam Bass. You everybody say Lawler's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, sorry. Um, and I just want to clear that up. Jerry Lawler is not Doug Gilbert's father. 
I just want to be there. You go. Uh, but at any rate, um, and then he starts laying out, uh, you know, the program that you know, with Lawler beating all the top contenders to uh, put him in line for a shot at Jack Briscoe. Um, what were your thoughts on Jerry Jarrett as a Booker? And I'm also interested to know what your dad thought of Jerry Jarrett. Oh, my dad thought Jerry Jarrett was a great Booker and had a great mind, and I think Jerry Jarrett was a great booker and has a great mind. And uh, like a lot of people probably don't know this, and Scott, I probably throwed away five different chances to make – Lawler and Jarrett both have said this to me, which Jarrett told me, which I had my deal in Japan. And, you know, the deals with your deals in Japan is you don't ever have to worry about – I mean, you got to work your tail off. And, I mean, it's it's I mean it's very rough and everything. But, I mean, as long as you work your butt off and everything, whatever they tell you, your contract per year, your weeks, whether it be 16, 18, 10, whatever, you know what you're going to make per year, and then you schedule your stuff around that was under contract per year over there when Jerry went up to work for Vince. Well, that's when uh, they'd got to, you know, whatever happened with Honky Tonk Man and Vince. So um, Jerry and I, I'm sure you probably remember this. Remember when they had me to call myself the king of rock and roll? Do you remember that little deal? No. They had me grow my sideburns out. Do you not remember that? No. They had me call myself the king of rock and roll was what – what Jerry wanted me to call myself, so I did, and I got some blue blue boots, like blue suede shoes, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like Elvis' song, blue suede shoes. Had some blue boots and everything, and Jerry wanted to send me to uh, the Middle East for a month. They had a month tour, and they wanted me to get the gimmick down before they put it on TV. Well, the third week into that tour, I was supposed to have a you know, a trip back to Japan, and uh, Jerry told me about it, and he said it, it, it'll be a great deal. He said make you a millionaire and i said you think so and he said yeah and i thought on it and thought on it and this is probably another place where i went wrong but i thought i've got japan and i know what i'm going to make there and i don't know if this is going to work or not so i told him i said i, Jerry, I just gotta stick with my japan deal i know that's going to be good and uh i done that which in all reality if i'd have went on the middle east and got the gimmick down and the way they wanted it and everything because they was going to push the fire out of it because whatever that wayne had done to them up there they wanted another guy like that and they wanted to give them a really big push but i couldn't turn down my japan deal and i was afraid that if something happened that didn't go good and once you screw up a japan deal you're done with them mm-hmm. so i didn't go and then said the same thing jared said that to me that time said uh said that then lawler said to me when i at the royal rumble when uh he got me that deal yeah. i was supposed to fly in the night before you know and you're supposed to have a meeting you know all the guys get together and have a meeting well that meeting was on saturday night well i was supposed to rest on saturday night uh me and tommy against uh jamie and wolfie in nashville so, uh, so I changed my ticket, you know, they sent me a ticket. So I was supposed to flow up, flown out Saturday. Well, I changed my ticket to Sunday and I flew in. I got to the arena about 30 minutes before the pay-per-view started. And, uh, Lawler asked me on, uh, like Tuesday, I think it's Tuesday when he seen me in Louisville, he said, do you just not freaking want to make any money? I said, Roy, what do you mean? And he said, why didn't you fly up on Saturday when he sent you that ticket i said well because i had to work in nashville on saturday night for you he said well you could have not done that and not changed your ticket which you know that was probably a stupid move also scott but then again you know it's what's your priorities to me this was more of a priority to me than that was yeah 
And other people would say, well, you're crazy as hell. I wouldn't have worked in Nashville. I'd have flew on up there like the ticket that they gave me, but I just changed my ticket and flew the next day. Like I said, I got in there about 30 minutes before the paper. You started and said hello to everybody and got dressed, went out there, stayed in the ring about six minutes or something, got my money and come on back to Memphis. <laughs> but, you know, well, that's, well, the, that's you, the way. Well, you came from that old school that you don't, you don't miss your bookings. Well, you're supposed yeah. to. And, it, I mean, and like I said, this was a priority to me. And, I mean, most people are saying, well, you're crazy because you should want to go work for Vince and go, or go to WCW or something. And, and then they told me that instead of Japan, I should want to do that. Well, shoot, I was going to Japan. It's got 14 to 16 weeks a year. And then I could schedule my stuff around that. And, I mean, right. I had my money for, for the year out of them 14 or 16 weeks, and everything else was just gravy. So, I mean, I don't that everybody, everybody else's logic for me is, well, you didn't, you didn't get the U.S. exposure. You're not a star or whatever. Scott, I, I, uh, this might be wrong. I just want to make a good living, and I want to have fun. Maybe I shouldn't want to have so much fun, but I want to have fun. And I, want to make, I thought I was making a good living, and I wound up not being – a multi-millionaire or nothing, but, but I've saved money and I've got a nice home, nice things and, and a great wife. So I, I feel that I'm blessed. And you didn't have that grueling schedule that probably would have killed your body. Uh, although, right. you know, I know, I know how, I know how stiff the, the style is in, in Japan, but hell, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, I don't think truly understand the business. They look at Stan Hansen and, and Bruiser Brody and they go, man, why, you know, those guys could have been such big stars. They could have had this great run with Hogan. Hell, they were making so much money in Japan. They kind of right. set their own schedule. Right. Why would they do it? Right, exactly. So that's the the thing what what people don't understand about when I say that. But I mean, it's you know, I mean, shoot, I, I loved it, and the, and the whole thing with that was that, Scott. There was no politics. Yeah, you go you go over there. It, it wasn't you didn't have to worry about who was telling or who was sucking up or whatever. All you you performed in the ring. You you had your contract. You didn't have to worry about it. it didn't matter about you beating anybody, anybody beating you. I mean, you was their guy and you didn't have to worry about that. You didn't have to worry about who was, like I said, there was no politics. Mm -hmm. And that's a great, that's a great thing when you, you know, when you really think about it, I mean, you just know as long as you work hard, you've got a job. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, here in the States, it was, it was nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, now the first time I remember seeing you on Memphis TV was an angle with, uh, uh, you were taking photos at ringside and yeah, Phil, that, Phil, Phil Hickerson and spoiler jumped you. Uh, yeah, that would, <laughs> that would have been about when I was 15. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that was when, that's when Tom, that's when Tommy Rich and, and Eddie were, were doing the, with the, the new fabulous ones thing. And, and then, and and then I think Eddie, I was actually at the matches, uh, the night that, uh, they hung Eddie, they hung his neck between the, the middle and top rope and you run out. That was an, what was that? That was an 84 one. Yeah, that was an 84. Is that fine, right? Yeah. Okay. So so all, all, I think all of it it was an 84 and then you run out and you're trying to get Eddie free and this tremendous brawl breaks out. It's like Randy Savage, Rick Rude, Jim Neidhart, Austin Idol. I mean, uh, how did you feel about being a part of that with all, all these huge stars having this big melee and you're trying to free your brother, brother from the ropes that had to be uh, a pretty big thrill. Oh, that was a big thrill. And, uh, do you remember 
during this time where uh, Eddie was doing a thing where they, like he had two personalities where he would wear a mask and I think they called him like Ziggy or something like that, where he would just come out at times with a mask on. Do you remember that little stint? I don't remember that part. <laughs> he, he, he was working, he was working with uh, Savage then. And one of the first things uh, that I really, the, after the camera deal that I did was, uh, uh, Savage was working with somebody and, and Eddie told me to put the mask on. I put the mask on, run down the ring, went up to the first rope, second rope, put my foot on the third rope. This was like when I was uh, 16 or something then. And, uh, and Savage looked that way from the guy and then Eddie come out the other side of the costume. Remember the front of the costume where yeah. they sell pictures at? Yeah. He come from that side and jumped in the ring. And then when he jumped in the ring, I hopped down off the ropes to come back. But that was with Savage also. But yeah, with all them guys, it was, it was something. I mean, like I said, anybody that was anything, I think come through Memphis at some point or another and everything. And I mean, it was good for, I mean, it was great for me to get to be around those guys. And I mean, all of them treated me or 99% of them treated me real good and everything. And I mean, you know, you just learn a lot from being a young kid and being around the guys and everything. And, um, I remember one of the guys asked, I walked in, brought my dad something one night, one of the heels was over there, the Bay face. And he looked at one and said, is he Smith's art? My dad said, ask him. <laughs> and the guy said, do what? He said, ask him if he's Smith's art or not. <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, yeah, I think I am. <laughs> that's, when, that's when I was a kid. That's when I was a kid. That was before any of this. I was probably like when I was ten or something. But uh, yeah, I think I've been around everybody. I think I know kind of what's going on. But anyway, you know how it was, Scott. I mean, you know, I mean, I think people would really come to respect things a lot more if they could see the. You know what? If if we could make a movie of and, and I mean, you, you could put a, a match or two in there, like to show that but if we could show what was happening in the dressing room mm -hmm. and on the road mm -hmm. that would be the best seller wouldn't yeah it? yeah and that, that people ask me about that you know what was the most fun part about uh, being on television i go well it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily being on television it was you know the before before we went on the air and the discussions that would the, the madcap of stared like trying to get the show finished and written the format done and finalized before we went on, you know, it, 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 your adrenaline was going. And then it was like sort of the, you know, the aftermath of everything and the reaction that you would get from the crowd and then getting out of there and then going to the next town and the camaraderie and kind of talking. Now, I didn't get to go on the road a lot with you guys, but when I did, it was a hell of a lot of fun. And we talked, we talked about the history of the business. We talked about, you know, some possible stuff that we wanted to do down the road. And it, it's, it's a, it's a lost art it's a lost era uh you know uh, the, the the camaraderie i don't think is is there like it like it used to be no i don't think i mean i think that part's just definitely gone and everything but and like i said you had so many different i mean so many different breeds of guys but i mean the the the, the, the strange thing is is everybody kind of meshed and i mean you, you know you had your little clicks but still even if you wasn't in that click still everybody kind of got along and i mean the, you might not have went out to eat together and everything but it wasn't no it wasn't no, a lot of animosity mm -hmm. or anything between nobody and everything a lot, a lot, a lot of ribbon but it was all in good fun, oh yeah you know 
in good fun. Yeah, it, it, it was meant to be anyway. Sometimes it might not have turned out to be, but it was meant to be. But like I said, we had a good time. And, yeah. I mean, like I said, we had Buddy, Land- we had Buddy Landell with us for a little bit. Who was? Oh, yeah. I, I love Buddy. He does. Uh, anybody uh, asks me and they say something about the next boy, I said, oh, next boy, I know Buddy Landell. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they said, oh, Oh, what about Rick Flair? I said, well, that's your nature boy. The nature boy I know is Buddy Landell. That's one that, that's the Memphis Mafia nature boy. I said, you can, you can like who you want. I ain't, don't condemn you for liking anybody. But, I mean, if, you, if you're behind the scenes and you know how people are, then you know how to take them and everything. And I love Buddy. Uh, Buddy was great to me. Yeah. And everything. Buddy, Buddy was born on the same day, the same year as my brother, same as Bobby Eaton was. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't know that. Man, and, and, yeah. and, man, I, and I can't help but think, you know, I, I love Buddy. But and the thing about Buddy that, that I love is is that he was he was not bitter. He, you know, he knew that he kind of blew a chance because, uh, you know, Dusty had big plans for him, supposedly, and uh, was going to maybe put the NWA title on him and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he. Oh, yeah. He, J.J. He, J- 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 was managing him yeah. by Flair. Yeah. I mean, and he was fixing to work a program with Flair. Yeah. And everything, and then he just kind of, I mean, which, uh, Scott, here's the thing. None of us are angels. No. We've all done wrong. We've all done wrong. And, I mean, I mean, and, you know, people will say, well, we have demons. I mean, I don't want to say everybody has demons, but we've all done wrong. None of us are angels. We don't have wings. And if we could, if we could go back and change a few things, I don't think there's probably anybody in the world that wouldn't change a thing or two. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to say, Scott, I wouldn't change a lot, but th- there's a thing or two I shouldn't have done that I would change and everything. But I mean, I, I love Buddy. Buddy was great to me. I mean, he was great uh, as far as he was a great worker. I mean, I mean, he was a great friend and uh, everything. So that's, I mean, that's the whole deal with, I mean, uh, Buddy, Tommy, my brother, Brian myself i mean to me as far as five guys together i mean at at that point in time i don't think you could have had five more guys that could have got any more heat than we did oh man and and, and just the crazy brawls that we had were it, yeah. it, it was tremendous man there's so many different gimmick matches and all that kind of stuff uh now i have a really quick question so i you mentioned that deal working when you were what was it 15 or 16 for jared the first time yeah and then, yeah. did you work a shot with Crockett when you were like seventeen? Um, because I know I know you did the no, deal was, with Muda I, I was, on the pay per view. I, I was that was later. I was actually I, I was actually eighteen. I worked a shot for Crockett when I was eighteen. Okay, I just I just got out of actually I started working for Crockett when I was I worked for Watts when I was eighteen. Right when I graduated, and then I went to work for Crockett then. And everything that I like I said, I worked with Muda later, but I worked right here's the thing as far as really where I really worked my first match, which I went to, to Malden, Missouri when I was like uh, almost 17, right? I was right at the end of being 16, and I'd work in Malden, Missouri. That's where my brother and my dad started, and uh, I think Lawler, a few more of them went over there and started for Henry Rogers. And uh, uh, but where I worked my first match for Memphis was, was on TV when I was 17. You know, how Lawler loves the Browns, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, he told, uh, Eddie to tell me to come TV with him. So I come TV with him and he had me an outfit laid out. It was a, like a Dallas Cowboys outfit. And he had his, uh, uh, Cleveland Browns outfit on. He had a mask for me. It was like a Dallas Cowboys type 
you know, color mask and the tights. He had everything for me, and I put that on, and I worked with him on TV. Now, you talking about nervous. Now, I mean, being 17 <laughs> years old, I never really worked for the Memphis office or nothing, and then on TV to beat that and everything. But that was actually the first match that I'd worked for the Memphis office. Oh, man. Oh, man. And, and did you ever have any doubt whatsoever that you were going to follow in your brother's footsteps and your dad's footsteps? No, I wanted to from day one and everything. Like I said, I'd, I'd have some big shoes to fill if I could ever fill both of those. Like I've ever, I always told everybody, I mean, and, and three or four guys told me I was at a signing one day and they said, Would you? You're my favorite, Gilbert. And I thought, well, I'm glad, but something must be wrong with y'all fellas. <laughs> but I mean, there's, but I mean, my, like I said, my dad and my brother's great, and they don't make me feel bad. Anybody can say whatever they want about me, but I mean, I know my dad and my brother's great. And like I said, I've always busted my butt and tried to give people their, their money's worth. But I mean, you would have to fill some big shoes to fill my dad's or my brother's shoes. Well, and your your brother really had kind of a, a baptism by fire because as soon as he debuts, it, they put him. It's a natural feud because Ken Wayne uh, was getting broken broken into the business around the same time, and they start that great feud. We kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but that feud with with uh, with your brother. And your dad against Buddy Wayne and Kent. Buddy that was Wayne. tremendous. That oh, was, yeah, that was great. Stuff it, too. It, it, I, I watched, and, and Scott used to, I never used to watch anything old. And I'd, I'd hear other people talking about it. And I just, I, I just didn't watch anything. And I, about a year and a half ago, I got to where I would click on YouTube and go to punching different things at the matches. And that's now the wrestling I watch is really that. And I watch, uh, Tuesday night, uh, SmackDown, Brian James with Road Dog, which you know, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. the the producer of it, and me and him are friends, and we talk, you know, weekly and everything. And if I, I say something on it every once in a while that I like, I'll text him or something and everything. But I try to I try to catch it at least 15 or 20 minutes of it, you know, a week or every two weeks and see what I think of it and and watch a match or something. Which you know, I everybody wants wants to knock it, Scott. But here's the thing. Why Why do you knock it for if you're going to watch it next week? Right. I mean, just to knock it. I mean, yeah. you, you're going to keep on watching it. Don't. I mean, you. You won't you just say you like it? Because if you keep on, I don't want to. I don't want to watch something that that I just got to say is awful. Or and would you watch something that you thought was awful? Just keep watching it. I mean, you might watch it one time, watch a movie that you thought was awful, but you would never rent it or go back to see it again, would you? No, no. It, it's like it's like you have all these seventeen year old fans who are like uh, they 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 act like they're eighty year old bitter men. You know the way they bitch about things, right. and it's like they just right. love to bitch about things. My, my, you know, I think there've been you know, first of all, the guys are are incredible athletes. They they can do some tremendous things. The psychology obviously right. is is not is not there like it used to be. Some of that's out of their hands because everything's well, you, so you damn You know scripted. what I watched, and you're you know what uh, you're fixing to laugh at this, and and it's not really politically correct or anything. But <laughs> well, not gonna offend me. I, I, had, <laughs> I, 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 I had never been a big women's wrestling fan. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, and 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 uh, a, a lot of people are. I just had never really been. But I watched the match the other night, and uh, it was uh, when I was flipping across the channels, and it was uh, who was it? The Japanese girl, yeah, and um, right, and that, and the one they call the boss. What's her name? You know what I'm ta- the one I'm talking about. Yeah, and I watched them, and 
they had a match. I mean, the world was cool about the meal, and I guess why I liked it, it was like they was in Japan. I mean, if they didn't freaking both them one freaking hurting a little bit after that was over, they are two bulls. But I mean, it it looked like it looked like two guys wrestling. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was you know it was actually a great match. Like I said, I'm not a woman's big woman's wrestling fan and everything, but I thought if they do, I mean, if all this stuff looked like that, it'll be great. Yeah, and Char- it's Charlotte. And Charlotte. But- Charlotte's a hell of a worker. Yeah, they told they told me she's real good too. And which, like I said, I watch. Like I said, I try to watch SmackDown flip across her. Like I'm if I'm watching something else for sitting down, mm-hmm. I try to watch you know flip across her and watch. And if I see something I really like, I'll leave it on there or whatever. And then I'll send Brian a text or call him or something and say, "Man, you had a hell of a show." Or I didn't think it's too good. I was like, oh, I didn't think it was too good. But I mean, what what I've seen on there actually lately looks real good. And and the thing I was telling him is it looks like. They've kind of went on that show. Went back to more of the old style. Went to the like the family fuse, like when they had the that Charlotte and the and the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the heart girl? The kind of the, oh, the feud uh, they had, and and they're Natty Natty and Natalia. Yeah, is that right? Oh, yeah, but I mean, it was like the old time. What she was talking about, what meant something, what people, you know. Uh, that caught the people's attention, and then there was another few, another angle or two they had that was like that, like old time. And I thought, damn, this is cool. They're getting back to the roots of things. Yeah. Well, one thing I do like, and, and again, I think this is a this is a great evolution uh, that's that was long overdue. Was that that a, a baby face can lose fairly clean and he he can still be over you know the the fans will still oh, yeah. be you know not everything has to be pull a chain knock somebody out outside interference that kind of thing i i love the i love the trend toward more clean finishes clean he, finishes yeah me too i the, scott the people want to see a winner and a loser i yeah. mean people say whatever they want but the people want to see a winner and a loser i mean there's you know that's just point blank that's it and i think they went back to to more of that and i mean they gotta do every once in a while just to get out of something but i mean i think they went back to uh, to more having just winners and losers and i mean it don't hurt anybody scott how many times look how many times did my brother wrestle lawler in memphis and lawler beat him and they come back the next week and the, and the houses was up I mean, yeah. if you know what you're doing and you do it right, it'll work. Oh, Lawler, Lawler did more clean jobs as a baby face, as the main baby face hero in a territory than anybody else in the country because he knew, especially like if, if they brought in like a big monster heel who like humongous or, or, you know, God, there's been so many who came through and Lawler would make that guy look like a million bucks. He would lose clean and maybe lose the next week and the week after that. And then he would triumph in the end. But he knew that if he did that, that guy would be a made guy. Right. Uh, and it didn't hurt right. him at all because, you know, hell, you know, it's like I, I'm, I'm a Steelers fan. When the Steelers lose a close one, uh, you know, it makes me that much more of a fan. I feel for the guys. They get, they left everything. Like when they got screwed by the Patriots earlier this season, you know, it, it, oh, yeah. it, it hurt me as a fan. You booed, I cheered. <laughs> What's that? I said, you booed, not cheered. Yeah, exactly. But, but I, but I felt, but, you know, I felt for the team because they, they, they played their hearts out and, and Lawler understood that. Uh, and, but you know, a guy like Dusty Rhodes in Florida, you know, he, you're talking about a guy. Dusty won the, and I like, I love Dusty, but you know, he won the that uh, world title from Race for about five days, and when he lost it back, 
he lost it by disqualification. <laughs> Because they, they had some kind of gimmick. You know, I'm like going, gosh, you had Terry Funk come in and break Dusty's arm, and he still wouldn't do a clean job for Harley Race. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, you know what? And everybody's got their own thoughts. I, I knew Dusty, I mean, pretty well from work. Like I said, from out of high school when I worked, worked for um, Watson and Crockett bought him out. And I got to know Dusty real well and got to know Flair real well. And I love them in on the road and flying with them on the, on Crockett's private jets and everything. And, and I mean, and I don't, and I'm not going to knock anybody or anything, but when you really get to know people, you know, I mean, if some people got to know them like others did, they might not think about them the way they do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, everything, but one thing I want I want I want to ask you about just just really quickly, uh, you know, b- before Eddie came back to Memphis as the new Fabulous Ones, uh, you know, he was working up in New York, and I believe yeah. that, I th- believe that deal got started. I believe Eddie went to an NWA convention, got to talking to Vince Senior. Uh, what did, what did Eddie think of that experience being up there? Well, actually, how that took place, Scott, was Eddie was working in. Uh, Puerto Rico with my dad and the, the convention deal was in Puerto Rico and uh, you know they just went over there and all the guys was, was there and which the world champion was there which all the promoters was there and everything and Vince Senior was there and uh, he wanted Eddie he had saw Eddie work and he wanted Eddie to come and work for him now Vince Senior really loved Eddie and everything he loved Eddie loved Kurt Henning and uh now Eddie didn't ever have a he, he loved working up there for Vince Senior, but uh, you know he didn't ever uh, he he loved his experience up there, but you know he had the car wreck up there and everything right. and uh, everything, and that's that's what cut that off. But then he was supposed to he well he went back Vince Junior and them uh, called him and he went back and uh, he went up there and talked to them, but his when Watts had offered him what he was going to do, he went up there and talked to them and was negotiating. And he decided that he was going to come back and tell uh, Watts that if he would give him the book, he wouldn't go. And if he didn't give him the book, he was going to go. So when he come back, he told Watts that, you know, if you give me the book, I'll stay. If you don't, I'm going to work for um, Vince Jr. And uh, and uh, Watts gave him the book. So that's when he started booking the uh Mid South, which turned into UWL right. and everything, so wind up not going back. But I mean, he, he didn't ever have the rapport with Vince uh, Junior as he did with Senior. Senior loved, like I said, loved him, Kirk Henning, and I mean, there's a lot yeah, of guys that loved yeah. those. Was was the two guys that he really liked at that time, and he wanted Eddie, which he uh, told Eddie however long he wanted to stay in Puerto Rico, but he wanted him to come. So Eddie and Kurt started about the same time and they put them together as tag partners some and yeah. put Eddie with uh with uh Tony Gurria, which you remember Tony Gurria was one of the tag champs up there what numerous times and everything. And, well and he was kinda of back on his protege there for a while. He he, he was back on his protege and they've done the, the thing even after the do you remember what watching the thing have you ever seen it? like after he had the uh oh, the mass car wreck we're back on did the, <laughs> yeah yeah the massive star yeah. angle deal yeah. and uh we're back on did the you know the roller thing for a whole TV show of you yeah ever saw that? yeah That's yeah yeah, and everything, but now Eddie really respected Bob Backlund a lot, which Bob's a great guy, he should be respected and everything, but now he really enjoyed that experience, and I got to go to, this is one of the things, for, you know, a kid from Lexington, Tennessee, 
wrestling at Madison Square Garden. And, uh, and like I said, I would I'd have to think what year that was and how old I would have been. But Eddie came home um, and stayed a few days before the uh, garden show and got me, and I rode up there with him and got to watch him in the garden, and that was real cool. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and not only were, was he teaming with Kurt Hennig occasionally, but uh, they would also occasionally be paired against each other. And those are some fantastic right. matches, man. I, I would, You know, those guys would be maybe in the first match or the second match. I'd hate to have right. to follow Eddie and Kurt because they were already. Yeah, I'll, 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 me too. And I, was already great. What about, did you ever see the match that Eddie had a few matches with the original Tiger Mask? Yes. There, which Vince had him in there as the junior champion. Yeah. Yeah. And everything. And uh, that was some great stuff too. Was that, was that but no, he, was that, were, were, you think that you, were those bouts, were those some of Eddie's uh, favorites working, working with the original Tiger Mask? I, yeah, that was, that was one of them, I would say. And then, you know, I mean, his, his, his favorite favorites would have been with Lawler and Funk. And that was like two of his idols, which I mean, two of mine also and everything. But I mean, guys that you look up to and that, that you grew up watching and I mean, for everything that they've done in the business, how great they are. And I mean, if, if, uh, was one thing somebody's asked me something about Lawler and I told him, I said, well, Lawler can't have a match with somebody. Can't anyone have a match with him? Right. And they said, "You really, you really think that?" I said, "Well, yeah." I said, "I wouldn't have said it if I didn't really think it." But I mean, and I think my brother was was kind of in that same pattern because then he was going to make you work your butt off. I mean, when I in global when me and him had the little <laughs> program and everything, yeah. Jesus, yeah. we'd go we'd go out there and go thirty and forty minutes, and I was under a mask, and I'd come back in, and I'd about need oxygen. To get back, I remember walking through the door some night and saying, "Somebody get me something to drink." I thought I was gonna faint before I ever got something to drink. And I thought, "Jesus, he can't go." I was like, "I don't know, I can, I can keep up with him." No, I was just shoot. That was a bill that was that would never been conquered. But have, have anyway, you, like I said, I've, have you ever seen that 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 uh, that? I think it was the last thing that Eddie shot in New York before he came back home uh, to Memphis. Uh, man, it was, it was great. It, I, it, he was on Piper's pit with Roddy Piper and, uh, Piper kind of, you know, it's, it, and again, it's very, it's, it's a personal kind of Memphis style deal where Piper, uh, insults your, uh, your father other, yeah, and, and Eddie, 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 look on Eddie's face, man. Eddie just looks so pissed off. And it was just great stuff. Yeah. And I, I was just coming, man, I kind of, I kind of wish that they had gone with that and kind of elevated right. Eddie up to that next level, put him in a little thing with Piper. Cause I've, I'm sure Piper was probably one of Eddie's heroes, just given the fact. Oh yeah. He, 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 oh, he loved Piper. I mean, during those days, Piper and you're fixing to laugh when I say this, Mr. Fuji, uh, <laughs> uh, Jimmy Snuka, yeah. and I mean, the, Mr. Fuji would say Eddie and all the rest, like Eddie and Kurt and everything. Everybody called him Uncle Harry. He was like the, you know, the young. He was good dog to Eddie and Kurt. And I mean, he was one of the biggest rivers they've ever been and everything. And he was a great guy and everything. But I mean, it's you know, it's all of them guys up there was the older guys was real good to to Eddie and Kurt. And I think because probably both their dads have been in the business and, and really I think because they both had so much respect for the business and, and had been brought in. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, you we were talking about Eddie's great eye for talent and I think that was never more evident than when he went to continental 
uh, after he, you know, right. yeah. And, and, uh, you know, he, he wasn't there long, but man, he was quick, I mean, quickly turned things around. You got, they were drawing money. He took, uh, Pez Watley, gave him the Willie B. Hurt thing, got over Willie like, B. Hurt. Hey, yeah. And just would, uh, yeah, uh, Glenn I, Jacobs. Al, yeah. Alan Martin that had never had, had just been enhanced title on WCW. Kyle changed him to Mr. Martin. Like he was a millionaire. And I mean, he got so much heat and I mean, what nobody have ever thought to have done that with him. And I mean, there was just different guys that he just put gimmicks on that he come up with. And I mean, it's freaking drew money. Yeah. From what I understand, like, and we talked about Sting, uh, and he's one of the more obvious ones that people have heard about, but I think Sting was about to like maybe throw in the towel, go somewhere else, or maybe even get out of the business. And Eddie really pushed for him to be a single star. And they were like, and and nobody else was really getting it. it. Eddie worked out with him two hours a day in in the ring i ain't talking about in the gym working out i'm talking about in the ring like two hours like out of seven days a week four or five days a week eddie worked out with him before the show was two hours in the ring to try to you remember when he was here in memphis how he was and then when he went there and that's when eddie wanted to get him better and knew that he could be good which he had uh jim hell with him before the mm-hmm. warrior but and say that's he quit after you know eddie had them both getting them both to come and him work out with both of them. Well, Jim didn't like that too much. So he <laughs> left, which he went on to make millions of dollars. So that's fine. But I mean, Steve, uh, Steve learned how to work though. Yeah. I mean, and everything and Eddie taught him how to work. So that was different, which I mean, and no knock on the gym. I mean, he just had to run out and run around the ring and everything. But I mean, there's a big difference between that and Steve being able to work and have matches that you can see him in actually wrestling and I mean, top notch matches and everything. But I mean, Eddie helped a lot of the guys. Yeah, and and I believe uh, you carried Scott Steiner some of his better matches in Memphis, I believe, when when he was in the territory. Yeah, yeah, me and Scott had some good matches, and uh, Scott was Scott's a good guy and everything. But I mean, that's when Scott was kind of breaking in, I think, and everything. And I mean, we had good matches. Boy, he's strong as a bear. He'd about to kill you if you didn't watch him. <laughs> but I mean, he's a great guy. Um, and, and I, I know we're kind of going a little long here, but I, I would be remiss if I did not mention, uh, the tag team that you had with dirty white boy as part of the Memphis mafia in 90. Uh, I thought Tony Anthony was just a tremendous worker and one of the best who never, you know, went to New York and, and, uh, and got, got the big money. What were your thoughts on working with Tony? Um, I love working with Tony. Tony, I think he was a hard, super hard worker and everything. And I mean, I think he was good as far as helping guys. And I mean, we had no problem. Uh, as far as whatever anybody asking me, I always done and uh, everything. But I, I'm still, I still talk to Tony to, to this day. I mean, he, you know, he lives up in Knox one, once a month, once every two months. I talk to him. I talk to Tom Pritchard also, which he's up there in Knox or right out of Knox one. Uh, they're, both of them to me are great guys and they both helped me a lot in business as far as, you know, when I was starting like another great guy that nobody, I don't think probably got the respect that was due to him was Jerry Stubbs. I don't know if you ever yeah, met Jerry. Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Guy. Is that right? Oh, he was a great guy. And Eddie put me in a program with him and continental me and him worked against each other for freaking about four months. And I mean, you talking about a great guy to learn from. Mm. I mean, he was great. He actually, you, you you saw Arn and Tully as a horseman. Really, the great one of the greatest tag teams I've seen 
ever seen was when I was a kid when I went to Florida when my dad was in Florida and it was Arn and Jerry Stubbs. Yes. Now they was the actually first like Arn and Tully. They was the first two that was I thought was great. And I mean, you're talking about getting heat and and two smooth workers together and everything. I mean, and they looked, you know, their body was close to the same as far as looking and everything. I mean, they and just great workers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I believe Arm was still working as uh, Marty Lundy. And yeah, right. they, they were, and that's, that's where, and I think Flair went to Continental and saw those, saw both of them, I think tried to get both of right. them to go and, uh, and Stubbs just wanted to stay in the South, you know, they, right. but, you know, a guy like Austin Idol, he could, he, you know, people say, oh, Austin Idol never went to the big time. Well, hell, Austin Idol drew a hell of a lot of money in, in the Southern States and he could have gone <laughs> if he had wanted to, uh, but right. he, he didn't want to, he, he, you know, like calling right. his shots and working whenever he wanted it. He wasn't all consumed by the business. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this photo, uh, that Eddie took of you and I know this is widely circulated online, uh, with you sitting next to Lance Russell, uh, at the Coliseum. And I'm just looking at about six, six years old or something. Yeah. Probably. And there's Mike Shields there. So I, Mike Shields yeah. would let Eddie use his equipment to, uh, you know, that's how Eddie got started taking pictures. And, right. and I'm just looking at this photo. There's you next to Lance Russell and there's Mike Shields and then the fans, you know, there's, you know, there's an old gentleman and he's, he's wearing a, a, a shirt and tie and he's lighting up a cigarette. You got, yeah. you know, and then you've got like a young kind of hippie couple and then you got some old ladies right. and I've always said wrestling needs more old ladies at ringside. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be great. But, but Scott, what you're just saying right there, look at the variety of different people that you drew. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's because I think you had something, a little something in every match different mm-hmm. where, where, and like I said, I'm not ever going to knock nothing that's on today, but I wore a lot of stuff today. It just kind of seems the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, in every match, I think then it was, a, and me and you both know, I mean, it was, the characters was so different and unorthodox and everything that, that you drew just different breeds of people. Yeah. It almost, yeah. The, the, the characters that, uh, that you saw, the different kind of crazy characters was almost reflected in the audience. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Look, look at what you're describing to me, what you're looking at there. And you know, you got to have some different type stuff to have that. You got a guy sitting there in a sport coat and a tie and a older lady sitting there over here beside him in a hippie couple, then a, a different type couple sitting beside them. I mean, you got to have some different stuff because everybody wants a little something different. Uh, were you there? I know Eddie shot the card and it was the first time that Eddie, I had Jim, I had Jim Cornette on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about the first time that he met your brother. Uh, was at uh, Jerry Jarrett's first show in 77 at the Coliseum after the split from Goulas. Uh, were you there that right. night? Because your dad, your, would, your dad, your dad worked with uh, Dusty Rhodes against Phil Hickerson and Dennis Condry, which I man, that must have been a hell of a match because I, I loved Hickerson and Condry. Well, I'd have been eight years old. I, I don't, don't remember, remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, you and I are about the same age, and uh, I went to the right. matches for the first time uh, when I was eight. And I don't all I can remember from those early, I can just remember the main event. I can't remember really much right. about the undercard, but uh, but uh, right. do you remember what your dad thought of this when Jarrett split from Goulas? 
what were his, you know, because I, I know that, that some people were thinking, you know, who's this kid trying to steal the territory? Well, that's not really what happened. Uh, what were your dad's thoughts on it? No, I think, I think my dad's thoughts was, I mean, you know, he, he went with Jarrett and everything. And, uh, I think he thought that was the future. I think he thought Jarrett had the, the outlook for the future where, I mean, I'm not saying nothing bad about Nick, but I think Nick had, you know, had, had pushed it as far as he was going to push it. And I think my dad thought that Jarrett had the, the insight to carry it further. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and again, just really quickly, cause I just, it just now people ask me all the time about the concession stand brawl with your brother and Rick Morton. Rick and Morton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that was one I think that was a great deal. Yeah, I remember that, that real well. That might almost be the godfather, too, of concession stand brawls. I think that was even better than the Lawler-Dundee bombers. Yeah, actually, actually, I do, too. I think it's better with you. It's hard. You don't really want to say that because whoever does it first, it's the original, and you can't really be the original. But as far as looking and stuff, to me, that one actually looked better. But they had something to go by after the first one and everything, so that might be why. But, yeah, I talked to in Japan and about it and he's that's funny he still remembers and me and him talked about that and everything that's pretty cool yeah uh you mentioned uh, a little bit about your life now uh can you tell me are you still working in japan any or uh i just I, yeah i just went to japan uh thanksgiving i went actually i flew scott uh two days before thanksgiving i got there the day before thanksgiving i wrestled on thanksgiving and which they told me my wife was going to go with me. And um, she decided that was too many hours for her, which she went the last two times with me. And we went, I wouldn't seen more with her in two times and then 50 times by myself, as far as just seeing the country, you know, I kind of want to go with the guys. We just got to do our own thing. We don't go looking around mm-hmm. and everything, but uh, I've seen more with her in two trips and I've seen <laughs> in 50 trips by myself, but uh, she decided she didn't want to go. And, and, uh, so one of my buddies that I always want to go to Japan with me and I told him I was going, I said, but look, I'm not staying. I'm just going and coming right back. And he said, well, I want to go. So he, he bought a plane ticket and he went and it, it was myself and, uh, Tracy Smothers went on the tour. They mm-hmm. wanted me to bring somebody with me, which they wanted Tommy Rich. And he, uh, had to do that wrestle con during the, those three days during that deal and uh he couldn't go so i got tracy to go with me and everything and uh me and tracy one of my buddies went and we we flew over there we landed they picked us up we got to tokyo uh they carried us the owner of the company carried us out to eat and drink and everything went to bed they picked me up the next day at lunch me and tracy uh they uh, took us to eat. we went to the building we got dressed we wrestled we come back to tokyo we uh we they took us out again we freaking went back to the hotel. They picked us up the next morning. We went to the airport and then flew another 16 hours. So we was in the air as much as we was on the ground. That's what I told my buddy. I said, you should like, go sometime with me when I'm staying a week or something where you can really see something, which he didn't care. He just wanted to say he went and everything. But we went there and it was, it was a great show. It was like a, it was a little bit smaller Corkin Hall is about a thousand people, but it's sold out in the little city about an hour out of Tokyo. And and I told them that the great thing for me on this shot was, you know what it was? 
I worked against Kabuki. I told him I'm on the senior tour. I only wrestled like Kabuki. He said, mate, Lawler is. And <laughs> I said, I wrestled Lawler, Kabuki, Dundee. I try to stay on the senior tour to keep from getting hurt. And I thought, because I was going to Japan so before so much, I was taking such a beat. And I thought, now nah, at least it's a little better. I'll go over there and wrestle Kabuki one night and then get to come home. I won't be hurt anyway. Did you, did you take the miss? But I mean, it was, but like I said, it was full. Yeah, I took it. You know that. <laughs> and I took that. And, but, but I mean, like I said, it was sold out, uh, building a little bit. It's about half the size of Cork and Hall, which I think Cork and Hall holds 2200 and I think this holds about 1200 1200 But, I mean, in tickets being $100 a ticket, you figure that's still a pretty good freaking thing since they didn't. I mean, it was uh, me and Tracy was the only two that they had. And like I said, they wanted to announce that it, what they had said before, that it would be two world champions on the thing, which time, as far as Tommy was with the NWA, the former world NWA champion, and I'm the former IWA Japan world champion and everything and then but actually the good thing tracy held part of the tag team titles over there for the iwa so that was still wasn't no false advertiser or nothing so it was still good everything's good with that but like i said it's a good show and good company and everything uh you mentioned what well, uh, really quickly uh you mentioned tommy rich and t- tommy is wow it's like he's got this resurgence surgeons in popularity with his new wrestling school he looks in tremendous shape uh the best shape i've seen him in, in years uh, and most of all he looks happy you know i, I oh, he, hey man i just got back about a month ago from uh myrtle beach and uh, I stayed down there for four days, four nights, and five days, I think it was, and wrestled for him and went to his school and uh, a couple nights and, and, and helped him train guys and everything. And we're fixing to have a deal coming up that's going to be called The Experience. And what it's going to be, it's going to be we're going to do a seminar or a camp, but, I mean, it's going to be like the whole experience is what it's going to be called. And we're me, Tommy, and there might be one or two more with us, but we're going to have a, uh, 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 it'll be a, like a seminar, but like I said, the whole experience would be where you could train for a week with us. And then when you get done with that, we're going to do a deal where we tape like a match where you're having a match like with us in it and everything. And I mean, it's going to be right there on Myrtle beach. I mean, right there on the beach and for a week. And I mean, like I said, training classes, uh, probably two times a day and everything. Then when it's done after the seventh day, you have a match and everything. You have something, you have a, a DVD to take back with you. And, uh, so, so it sounds like, uh, I mean, it sounds like you guys need a manager to come in maybe. Oh, 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 hey, <laughs> well, we let, me, let, hey, let me talk to Tommy about that. Cause I know you want a lot of money. And everything. I don't want to tell you yes before I talk to him, but anyway, we'll probably need some. But I love, I will tell you, we stayed, me and my wife stayed at the Marriott right on the beach and, and everything. And uh, she loves it there and everything. So, I mean, I, I can't wait to go and do the training and everything with the guys and, and see Tommy and everything. But I love the beach also and everything. Like I said, it'd be a good, I think, a good getaway for people and people that are really wrestling fans and, and that have wanted to train and want to just get their feet wet. It'd be a good experience for them. Yeah, I, and uh, I, w- I want to get Tommy on the show, so you you need to. Uh... Oh, you, 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 I'll, I'll work on that for you. That shouldn't be any problem. <laughs> okay, I uh, and and I know uh, uh, you got to get going here, but uh, just really quickly, uh, can you explain to some people who aren't familiar with uh, Japanese wrestling? Can you explain the differences working in let's say Memphis, a, a classic Southern territory, and working in Japan. Well, as far as the, the the differences is everything which which uh, I mean as far as I think us here in the South and in the U.S. and everything I think 
it's about heart and you've got to have heart here and, and you can tell that by your matches and over there everything they say is about heart and everything but they're about heart they want to see how hard they can kick you and how much they can bend your shoulders back behind you and your knees back behind you and everything that's what i'm saying that, that's the only deal you whether you're under 10 week 12 week 16 week a year contract you've got to try to stay healthy over there we're here it's it's a little easier staying healthy i mean don't get me wrong stuff here is is and, and you've seen everything everybody wants to think well this don't hurt that don't hurt well shoot i don't know much that that don't hurt i mean right. even here but over there it's just it's it's just a little more physical and uh they just i mean and uh, i mean it ain't nothing for somebody just to to break your nose or or tear your shoulder out of socket and, and just i mean thinking that because when they say it's about heart i mean we're working over here and trying to entertain the people but we know we have still got to work tomorrow night and the next night over there they just don't say and you know it's a whole the whole other deal is we're from the states and they're japanese and you're over there in their country and they want to make sure they're strong and mm-hmm. and everything but that's what first thing in 1990 me and frank Morel and jeff jerry was riding back from louisville and uh frank told me the first time i was gonna go i was leaving the next day on wednesday and we was riding back tuesday night and uh he told me he said dougie whatever they do to you you make sure you you do it harder to them right and i said is that right and he said yeah and uh, and i followed that up and i mean and knock on wood it worked pretty well for me i mean that's you just got to and and you wind up scott is as like i think anything else you wind up earning their respect they're not going to respect you if if you can't i mean if if they don't think you can hold your own or if they don't think you can beat them up you know they'll take advantage of you but if you show them that you can and you know whatever they do to you you can do it worse to them i mean they're not wanting to hurt all day tomorrow either so i mean it's just got you got to earn the respect yeah two guys i respect out of the out of the world two of my favorite performers here in the states austin idol and dutch mantel they hated it when they went over there, and I don't know if anybody gave them a heads up on uh, on you have to you know give well, give a, you know if well, you don't take it give a receipt. Uh, well, and both both of them are great workers, but they had rather just work just work. They don't nobody potato them or nothing like that. And over there, everything that's done to you, you could say is is a spud or potato and it's going to hurt. But I mean, that's what you just got used to. It's why people ask me, well, does this hurt or that hurt? Scott, if I thought about it, almost everything only hurts, but I just try not to think about it. Yeah. I get, uh, the doctor checks my knees every once in a while. And the doctor told me one time, I said, Doug, well, do they hurt? And I said, well, you sent me to get MRI. I said, I guess they should. And he said, well, every ligament in both of your knees are almost almost completely torn and said that the, you don't think about it. I said, no, I try to think about something else. <laughs> I mean, Scott, what, 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 what's the, my doctor looks at me shaking my head, but I mean, that's gotta be your best way, right? I mean, I'm not getting something fixed until it's completely tore. I mean, it can be half tore or three quarters tore, but I'm not until something's done. I'm not going to get no pre-surgery for something that, you know, I can still deal with. I mean, I just try if something hurts. If my back hurts, I try to think about something else. I mean, it's not going to be better. You know, I, I so many people come up to me. A lot of guys, I have a paving company, which is called Hot Stuff Paving and Ceiling. And these guys <laughs> come it. up to me and say, uh, 
say, uh, Doug, my back hurts or my knee hurts or whatever. <laughs> and I list them. Well, I say, fellas, I said, you not think my stuff would hurt if I thought about it. And I said, geez, give me a break. Yeah, get the hell out anyway, of here. Not, yeah, <laughs> go over and get that shovel and finish looping the end of that freaking driveway. But uh, anyway, no, it's just like it. Scott, you know how it is. I mean, you was in the ring, and yes. I'm sure you got some bumps that still don't feel good on you at times. But, I mean, it's that's all of us. Well, it's I, like I said, Japan's just a little more rough than that area, as you was asking. Well, I remember, um, man, Moo Dog Spot, Larry Latham, Larry Booker, who I I, I really like Larry a lot. And, uh, you know, we we were having a little program with them and he he told me uh he goes you know the, the fittest it called for them to finally get their hands on me and and really you know beat the hell out of me with a chair and larry pulled me aside and he goes uh scott you know i'm gonna have to lay it in there don't you and i go i i know, I know larry he goes just keep your back straight don't flinch and just go along for the ride. And I said, okay. <laughs> and man, it sounded like a gunshot blast when he was nailing me with that chair. And somebody asked me, uh, uh, cause I was going, you know, I was going to school and somebody asked me like, right. man, I saw that on TV. How did y'all do that? And I go, what do you mean? how did we do it? Well, how did you, did you how did, to stunt, man? It was, fake that? And I go, <laughs> I go, Hey, first of all, don't, don't ever say the word fake to anybody in the wrestling business. I said, what the hell do you mean? I mean, I didn't have it. I didn't have like a vest. Um, you know, Kevin Lawler used to wear that muscle suit under his, right, <laughs> under right. his I, I said, I didn't I, have anything. I think, he's got it on the I think he wears it everywhere he goes, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, rib, I rib Kevin all the time about that, but, uh, yeah. man, you know, shit, I just, I just trusted him and he laid it in there and, my adrenaline's going at the time, but I woke up the next morning and I felt it. Uh, but, uh, you know, Larry's one of the first guys who I suggested a finish as a referee and he actually listened and, and started asking my input on things. Uh, because dude, I, you know, cause I, I was like Eddie, you know, I did fantasy booking, you know, as a kid. Yeah. And I think that's that, that yeah. sort of a connection that Eddie and I had, but I remember, uh, I, I was in the room with, uh, you and Doug or you, or you and Eddie and, uh, Lawler, I can't, Tom Pritchard, I think was, was still around and you guys were talking about a finish and I suggested something and you looked at me oh, wow. like I was, you go, what the hell are you doing? Coming up with a yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking now I was thinking <laughs> if this was in front of me, okay. In front of all these guys. No. Yeah. yeah. Cause I was thinking, what's fixing to freaking be said here, which that was me trying to look out for you. Cause I, no, knew I know, how, I know. Every, how everybody was, <laughs> which I tried to look out for you, but I thought, Oh man, cut his own head off here no, with these guys. I appreciate and, that. I appreciate that. And everything. But anyway, Scott, no, I had a great time. I think we had a great deal. And like I said, I watch, I watch it now back up a lot of it and everything. And, and the good part, I don't know if it's a good part or a bad part it means I've been hitting the head too much, but the good, the good part to me, some of it, I, I can't remember exactly what's fixing to happen. And I think, damn, it's like, it's just happening again. Everything. Yeah. I think hey, I'll remember that. I think, but we've done so much over the years and everything. I mean, everything you, you're not going to remember, but I think it's cool. Now I watch, like I said, I watch a lot of it back. And I think that's some of the best stuff. Like I said, during that time, I think that was some of the best stuff going in the country. It really was. And it, it was the last of the territory days and we didn't go out with a, with a whimper. I mean, that stuff was, it was good. It was some solid, it, I, great shows. I, the, the TVs was solid and the house shows were solid. They couldn't nobody else. I mean, like I said, we was the last ones going. And, I mean, and if it and if it wouldn't have been sold, and if they would still been, as far as if if uh, 
Lawler would have wanted to keep it going. They ain't no telling how long it could have actually kept going after that. Well, you know, it, it actually, you know, it kind of went down here as soon as I left, Doug. Yeah, well, I think that's what happened. Hey, <laughs> I, 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 I believe me, it wouldn't matter if he'd want to or not. Lawler or somebody else would call you and told you to come back. So they thought that was the guy's back going. <laughs> oh, well, hey, Doug, anyway, uh, I, I, I could talk I, wrestling man, with you all day long. I got you. Hey, good deal, Scott. It's been nice talking to you. And having me on here, and I was trying to think. I've got and I haven't got my book here in front of me. I got all kinds of dates and stuff. But anyway, like I said, one of the main deals I want to plug was the uh, the uh, experience deal in Myrtle Beach, and that the dates will be coming out on that soon. It's going to be a week. It's going to be like I said. It's going to be called the Wrestling Experience, and it'll be a seminar myself, Tommy Wildfire, Rich, and everything. And, 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 and me, you and me, you're trying to yeah, and you <laughs> like 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 I said, you don't charge Tommy after roof he'll have you there too but anyway uh it'll be a great deal i think everybody have a great time and like i said you'll be right there on the beach tommy's got a great wrestling school man he's got a great uh, facility where it's at and he's got all kinds there's a gym right there in it there's there's basketball courts there's everything that you could need to do i mean there's now i'm not a big yoga guy but there's yoga right beside in the thing right beside of he's got everything is tommy is tommy rich doing yoga well, he told me he was going to, and I laughed. But but now, I, I, he's liable. He's liable to be doing yoga. You can't tell. He told me he was, but I laughed at him. And I told him I wanted to see him with that yoga suit on and everything. But anyway, bless his heart. I'll I'll, I'll give him a shout when me and you get off here, and I'll tell him that that he, that he needs to be on your podcast. I, I'm always angling for for a book, and I, I can do a lot. I can do a live podcast from the school. Hey, that that'll work. Look, hey, all, all we gotta do is sell it to him. That's right. right. That's right. You're good. Hey, you're good. You're good sales but look scott man it's been good talking to you if you need anything you give me a shout man i'll do it thanks doug well that was a hell of a good time uh going down memory lane uh it wasn't always pleasant uh working uh, in the uswa but uh it was always interesting nevertheless and uh wow just uh you know i can't even describe the feeling you know on saturday mornings arriving there at the wmc tv studio with no idea of what we were doing, the format still being written, and then going out there and cutting live promos, and then stuff would change on the fly. And uh, Doug was just uh, just a great guy to uh, to be aligned with uh, during that time period, along with Tommy Wildfire, Rich, and the Dream Machine, Troy Graham. I was truly blessed to uh, to have those guys kind of guiding my way, and Buddy Landell too, who was a who was a heck of a card as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was a really great discussion, and we'd love to have Doug on in the future to talk more uh, about his family roots, including his grandfather, who wrestled in the carnivals. That's right, Scott. What a lot of people probably don't realize is that Eddie and Doug are actually third-generation wrestlers. They're one of the first groups of third-generation wrestlers. Of course, you think of the Welch family, the Fuller family, and then the Gilberts were one of the first third-generation wrestler families. Yeah, and uh, gosh, wrestling is still in Doug's blood, and you can tell that he, uh, yeah, he, you know, you can just tell when somebody grows up a fan of the business, they get into it for that reason only. And really, I think Doug could have been a bigger star, but you know, he made decisions that you know were somewhat controversial at the time. But Doug just did what was best for Doug, and you know, he didn't feel the need to uh, necessarily go to the WWF. He liked working in Japan, he liked working his own schedule, and he just did it because he loved the business. And, uh, you know, today he's trying to give back and, and work with Tommy Rich at his wrestling school. And I think that's a cool thing. That's a pretty cool thing until they turn on you. 
if you're a student <laughs> and then it won't be so cool. But no, it's it's good to hear Doug here. You know, I got to spend a lot of time around Doug at the Eddie Gilbert Memorial shows that Dennis Carluzzo did every year in the mid and late 90s. And him and his family were always so nice to me. And it's just so much fun to hear someone who didn't just have that career in wrestling, but also has that family background. So you kind of get not just the stories they personally witnessed, but the stories that were passed down directly to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we will be back next week uh, with more great stories on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. But first, I would like to remind everyone that uh, KFR is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Trav Scott Bowden. And you can also find me on Facebook at Kentucky Fried Wrestling. That's R-A-S-S-L-I-N. And you can also check out my YouTube page. I just uploaded some uh, some cool stuff. And I have plenty of footage from the 90s where uh, where Doug Gilbert and Eddie Gilbert and the Dream Machine and I were, uh, were just a force to be reckoned with in those days. And because Brian really didn't do anything on this episode, I'm not going to let him plug anything. For Brian Last, this is Scott Bowden. We'll see you next week on Kentucky Fried Wrestling. The announcers on this program are selected and paid by parties other than this station, namely the promoters of championship wrestling.